0: This is a sermon podcast of the First Baptist Church of Boulogne in Hilliard, Florida. For more information, please visit www.fbcbalone.org. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Esther, please. Book of Esther. And we have 25 minutes. My, oh, my. <clears throat> so, learning to trust the unseen hand of God. What happens when you find yourself placed in a moral dilemma? What do you do? Well, last week we were reminded that when we are learning to trust God's unseen hand, we cannot be deceived by the appearances of those who seem to be against us. Not only do these times present opportunities for us to minister and love our enemies, but also the fact that they too face their own difficulties. They, they face their own struggles. And as we're going to see tonight, Queen Vashti, who would not be considered our friend or our ally... She is placed in an extreme predicament. She is going to have to make a moral decision. Now, she has not a lot of knowledge about the Lord, I'm sure. Persian Empire was not known for serving Yahweh. But she was nonetheless in a circumstance where her decisions were based upon a moral assessment. In other words, she had to determine some things that were right and wrong. So, what do you do? Well, one of the first dilemmas that we find here is that it's us. Our dilemma right now, as a reader, if, if, um, if you've never read the book of Esther, right now you're probably wondering what the purpose of this book is. You've not heard anything about the Lord you don't know where the author is going to take us. All you're doing right now is seeing this interaction with pagans and no indication of the presence of God or even the existence of God's people. So we, we've got our own little dilemma here and watching this woman face a dilemma. So let's look at the text. On the seventh, and verse 10 is where we'll pick up. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman. Bistha, Harbona, Bikta, Abaktha, Zethar, Karkas. The seven eunuchs who served in the presence of King Xerxes to, pre, to bring Queen Vashti before the king with her royal crown in order to show the peoples and the princes her beauty, for she was lovely to look at. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command delivered by the eunuchs. At this time, or at this, the king became enraged and his anger burned within him. Remember last week I spoke to you about this rule of drinking? That rule of drinking. Remember, the king said, you just drink however you feel led. There's no order or command by me. You drink as you're compelled. Well, apparently he started feeling more compelled to take in a little bit more than what he normally would have. Now, the Hebrew in the text does not outright indicate that he was drunk, but he was certainly under the influence of alcohol and acting in a manner that would indicate some surprise. In other words, we're kind of led to believe that Xerxes normally wouldn't have behaved this way except for under the influence of the alcohol there. okay. So this king has followed his own command and he's a little inebriated but not completely drunk. But what about these men? I read these crazy names, right? Well, these seven men were eunuchs. Uh, A a eunuch was simply a man who had been castrated, therefore, or, or rendered incapable of reproduction. And because of this, they were used for the queen's service. They were men that were trustworthy by the king to tend to these delicate matters. Because the king would now know, well, they would never have any physical interest in my bride and my queen. So that's what they were used for. Eunuchs were invaluable to Persian kings. Uh, When queens uh, would leave the palace area, the eunuchs were with them at all times. They um, They were just with them. They were the servants of the queen. Now... As a result of Xerxes' lack of reasoning skills, for the obvious reasons, he commits a grievous error. What does he do? He asks for Vashti, the queen, to be brought in the company of all of these men that had gathered. Now, at this time, they have been partying for seven days. I would imagine that there were some a little bit more inebriated than the king. But they were all, I'm sure, merry with wine, as the Bible says. So he asks for Vashi to come before this crowd of men in order to exploit the queen's beauty. Now, that's a little PG-13-ish here, but it's still the word of God. In verse 11, he wanted the queen to be brought in with her royal crown. Now, many of the commentators that you would read would speculate that what he's talking about here is that for her to appear in her crown and in her crown only um, to make a spectacle out of her. Why? Because she was pleasant to look at, the Bible says. She was lovely to look at, which means that I'm sure that as she had the physique and all of the things that uh, would be befitting to Uh, pleasure a man with his eyes. And so that's what he wanted. Now, it says that she refused. The Bible doesn't say why, but I don't think it takes rocket science to figure out why she would want to refuse. This was her moral dilemma. And see, her moral dilemma was, okay, do I appease the king? And follow his command and do as he says, okay? Or do I reject what the king is asking of me based upon some sort of moral ground? We are left with the assumption that the refusal for the queen, now, the queen was not merely asked to come, I'm sure she was given. the the manner by which she is to appear. And we are reasonably sure and safe to assume that she says, I'm not going to appear before all these wine-drunk men disrobed. I'm just not going to do that. Okay. All right. Verse 13, then the king said to the wise men who knew the, the times, for this was the king's procedure toward all who were versed in law and judgment, the men next to him being Karshina, Shethar, Admantha, Tarshish, Maris, Marcina, Mimican, the seven princes of Pesia and Media, who saw the king's face and sat first in the kingdom. He asks them this question. According to the law, what is to be done to Queen Vashti? Because she has not performed the commands of King Xerxes, delivered by the Munichs. So he enlarges the issue, calls in more consultants. The um, king displays his quote-unquote wisdom by asking, well, what am I supposed to do now? That's, That's his question. I wanted this woman to I want y'all to feast your eyes on her. She says <clears throat> she says no. Now what am I supposed to do? When control is lost or feared to be lost, compounding an error becomes very easy. It is very critical. In a moment when you feel like you're losing control, it is very easy to make one bad decision, but then react with a, another bad decision, another bad decision, etc. That's why in times of crisis, it, as, as a um, believer, I, I hope that you would have an opportunity to be by one side, During the middle of a crisis. As a chaplain. My mode of operation. Many times is to sit by the victim. And to be their advocate. During the entire opening hours of that crisis. Because they are incapable of thinking for themselves. And making rash decisions. Rational decisions. Excuse me. They would make rash decisions. And I would tell them, okay, over the next hour, couple hours, a lot of people are going to be coming here. They're going to be asking you questions. They're going to be needing something from you. I'm going to be right here with you to help you through this. And you will be amazed at how much calmer that can make someone. And here he's exacerbating this issue. He's asking more people. He's compounding an error. Um... These are the king's wise men. And then Mimikin pipes up and says in verse 16, Not only against the king has the queen Vashti or has queen Vashti done wrong, but also against all the officials and all the peoples who were in all the provinces of King Xerxes. For the queen's behavior will be made known to all women, causing them to look at their husbands with contempt. Since they will say, King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to come be brought before him, and she didn't come. He's already making some possible false assumptions here. He's going to say that, well, King, you need to remember, since the queen has done this, every woman in the kingdom is now going to be stirred up, and they are never going to listen to their husbands ever again. Okay. Okay. Verse 18. This very day, the noble women of Persia and Media, who have heard the queen's behavior, will say the same thing to all the king's officials. And there will be contempt and wrath in plenty. Verse 19. If it please the king, let a royal order go out from him and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes. So that may not be repealed, that Vashti is never to come before King Xerxes and let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. So when the decree made by the king is proclaimed throughout all his kingdom, for it is vast, all women will give honor to their husbands high and low alike. This advice pleased the king and the princes and the king did as Mimikin proposed. He sent letters to all the royal provinces, to every province in his own script and to every people in his own language that every man be master in his own. You could put the word castle, but the word there is household. Men, you're going to rule your castle. And you're going to speak and speak according to the language of his people. All right, I don't know if y'all picked up on a ginormous error that took place. That the king fell victim to. He said what am I supposed to do right. Not quite. He says according to the law. What am I supposed to do. Now let's let's be common sense. According to what's already on the books. What am I supposed to do. None of the wise men could tell him. But one of his advisors says, don't worry about the law that's already on the books. You set yourself up a new law. That's modern day politics, isn't it? Y'all catch that? Make a law. Don't worry about what's already on the books. Just write this law you put every woman in their place. Remind them that they are supposed to, you know, the, the husband is the master of that home. And Vashti, you get rid of her, Mr. King. You get rid of, of Queen Vashti. And, and you find someone else more worthy than her to wear the crown. That's the issue. That's how he decided the, to, to, to solve it. This isn't really a point in the lesson, but it just kind of come to me. Sometimes our moral decisions. Now, first of all, I'm I'm going to go ahead and 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 agree with the decision that the queen went with. I agree that she should not have subjected herself to that humiliation. Okay, I, I agree with her, but when we make moral decisions and we make them you know, in accordance with right morals, you can throw the enemy into a tailspin. And their reaction may come back to haunt you. I wonder if Vashti would have known what, her, what the outcome would have been, would she have refused the king? And I'm telling you, that is a challenge in making the right decision. You have to do it with the full knowledge that making a right decision may stir up an enemy against you. You may lose earthly by making a heavenly decision. But I wonder, is it worth it? If you read Daniel chapter 1, it was worth it. His rebellion against the king. Now, if you notice, his rebellion was very different than Queen uh, Vashti's. He asked, Daniel asked for the rules to be made different, right? And God helped to intervene with the leaders there. And they said, okay, Daniel, yes. Daniel's eventual moral choice led him To the right position that God needed him to be in before the king. Later on, we may not have that blessing. We may not have that opportunity. But would you still make the right decision if you knew it would come back against you? So let me give you let me give you uh, some things to think about. Um, The the the, the rule here is that sometimes you're going to have to make a moral decision without having a specific word from God or a direction from the Lord. You may face with an opportunity where there may not be a chapter and verse that is thou shalt or thou shalt not. Okay, Lord, what do I do? Okay. When we talked about, when we remember when we did our study of the ethics of life and death a long time ago? Um we talked about these types of circumstances, you know, and what do we do? We, we prayerfully acknowledge that Lord, I'm going to move based upon what I know of your word and of what is right. According to your word, I'm going to make a decision. Now, if it turns out that that was not the right decision, then Lord, please forgive me, but I'm acting as best as I know how right now. Sometimes you will have to make a moral decision without having a specific direction or a word from the Lord. Here are three things from this text that will help you to make a decision when you're not sure where to go. Number one, do not allow yourself to become controlled by that which will bring unnecessary harm. Don't allow yourself to be controlled by that which will bring unnecessary harm. Our text begins with a king, slightly drunken, and decides to break a custom by exhibiting Queen Vashti in an improper way. What, What really ought to disturb us? Not that he would ask this of the queen. He was asking this of his wife. Why did he do that in the first place? He was drunk. He was under the influence of alcohol. And it led him to make this extremely poor choice. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Now, don't be shocked, but if you and I lived in the uh, uh, Mede and Persian Empire and we were at that party, we would have probably taken wine too. It was that customary. But the king did not have control of his consumption. The consumption had control of him. And it led him to make a, 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 it brought unnecessary harm. So in those moments where you have a moral choice to make and you're not sure where to, listen, don't allow yourself to be controlled by things that are going to make the problem worse. Number two, the, and this is the most important, do not include people that will give you irrational or unbiblical advice. Do not include people that will give you irrational or unbiblical advice. This king was also a husband. And I would imagine that if he heard the response from his wife, he probably ought to know that he was in a bad situation. You would think as a... Husband, myself, who's committed errors. I needed no one to tell me I committed wrong when I've hurt my wife or made her mad. She lets me know when I make a bad decision. And I don't need some smart aleck to tell me what to do. I know what I need to do. I got to open up my pocketbook and send her on a shopping trip. I know the strategies to make a happy wife. (laughs) <laughs> what, did, what did Xerxes do? He asked the most idiotic people, and, and I don't mean to be crass, but the obvious needs to be stated. He was seeking advice who just a few minutes earlier thought they were going to see the king's wife naked. And that's what was on their mind. They had no thought of the Lord, no desire to do anything right or rational. And when we have something that we need to do, a decision that we have to make, you go to people who know the Bible the best. That's what you do. They may know the verse that gives a good principle that will guide you. They may have some wisdom from the Lord some way of looking at that situation which you have not I'll never forget one of the hardest decisions my wife and I had to make was buying a foreclosed home in 2008 we found a lovely home it was in foreclosure we ins- we had it inspected and and we saw all the all the damage was only cosmetic like sheetrock or paint i mean it was stuff that we could fix structurally foundation Roof, everything everything was in order. Plumbing was great. Electricity was great. We just, yeah. And we made a crazy lowball offer. And we were rejected. And my wife, we were so sad. So upset because we needed a home. We were renting and we just, we needed a home. Called my dad and uh, who's the guy I would first call with any hard decision I had to make. Dad, what am I supposed to do? He said, he said, here's what you do. Wait. But Dad, no, son, wait. That was on a Friday. Do you know who called me on Monday? That mortgage company and said, we'll take that offer. We'll take that offer. I think waiting was a very prudent thing to do, and I think it was a very biblical thing to do. I I, I seem to recall a number of verses on patience in the Bible. You seek people who are going to help you honor the Lord and put the kingdom first. I think we exhibited that type of wisdom a moment ago, voting on that house. That's not our house. That's God's house. But we know what needed to be done with What God has entrusted to us with the information that we know. Which leads to number three. This is the final thing. What do you do? How how do you make those moral decisions? Number three, don't make rash decisions. Don't make rash decisions. A wise statement I've heard is, you know, before you spend large sums of money, sleep on it for several days. You know, you're buying a car, you know, buying a house, you know, before you let that money leave you, you need to give it time. You know, let that decision breathe a little bit. As with the case with Xerxes, I wonder what would have happened. I wonder what decision or what he would have done had, number one, he not been under the influence like he was, but number two, and I think maybe more importantly... He didn't have the advisors that he had around him. What if Xerxes were left to his own decision? I, I think it entirely possible he would have done something different. Don't know what it would have been, but... To leave you with some biblical Proverbs on um, on this matter, let me read to you several verses. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 26 One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 13 and verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Proverbs 14 verse 17. A man of quick temper acts foolishly, And a man of evil devices is hated. And finally, Proverbs 18 and verse 4. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. Listen, though. A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. Not every circumstance requires an immediate answer. Not every circumstance requires an immediate answer. In dealing with crises of different kinds, one of the answers I've learned to give people, and it was hard to give it to them, but I've learned that it's been very wise in certain Circumstances when they come to you in crisis mode and they need something right here, right now, you know what I'll tell them? Go to bed. Just, just go to bed. Go home. Get some rest. Let's talk about this tomorrow. And you will find that tomorrow morning, that problem wasn't nearly as big once they had a good night of rest and sleep. And had time to think. So in times where we do not always hear or see the Lord moving, we are still called to make decisions. But how we make those decisions is critically important. If we place our trust or otherwise seek help from those who have little or no scriptural compass, then our troubles will likely increase. As followers of Christ, we may make or we may face moral dilemmas, but with the right strategy of heart and mind, we can avoid those choices that will bring harm to ourselves, others, and most importantly, King Jesus. Well, next week, we're going to see a queen that's been disposed, uh, deposed and we're going to see what's going to happen now. In walks Esther. All right, so that's going to be exciting. Now, let me remind you, Next week, we will do our midweek study in the choir room. Uh, Is that correct? Next week, because Tiffany will be doing a dress rehearsal with our children's choir for their uh, performance of God's Not Dead that next Sunday night, which will be the 24th, I believe. So on the 24th, Sunday night, our children's choir exalt, the the, the children's choir exalt will be doing God's not dead. So we'll just meet in the choir room next Wednesday and I look forward to seeing you there, okay? Let's stand up together and uh, let's have a word of prayer and uh, you'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for helping us as a church to make wise decisions. Even in a church conference, even when we don't have really big items to be uh, worried over right now, Lord, we still must have and act with wisdom. We must always find ourselves as wise stewards of all that you have given to us and all that you have allowed us to have uh, some some control over but father i pray that as we walk out of these doors that we be equally reminded that we are your stewards of righteousness and truth and we must exhibit those things in all of our decisions and behavior father help us to not be brought under the influence or the control of anything that would hinder our ability from acting right and decent, and making choices that would honor you, Father, may you bless the remainder of our evening and our journeys home until our next appointed time of worship. In Christ Jesus' name, everyone said, "Amen." Thank you, Thank you for listening to this podcast from the First Baptist Church of Balone in Hilliard, Florida. For more information, please visit www.fbcbalone.org.